Hello, and welcome to this Meetings Today podcast. Uh, We're here today with Sharon Danachek. She's the president of the Military Reunion Network. Uh, hi, Sharon. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, Tyler. This is great. And uh, tell tell the audience, what the what is the Military Reunion Network, and what do you do uh, for them? Well, uh, the Military Reunion Network uh, connects veterans that are planning their military reunions with the hospitality industry. Uh, we are, um, uh, I, I call us the trade organization uh, for those connections. Uh, we educate veterans on how to plan their military reunions. Uh, they have served our country and they're volunteering again to, to serve um, and plan the reunions, but they don't have a, a place to go for education. And so we are that central central uh, spot for them. And um, we do this uh, to reduce veteran suicide uh, and uh, any means that we can uh, take to help them stay connected uh, and help them support each other as their battle buddies. Then we do that. And that connection um, uh, is, is uh, critical to reducing veteran suicide. Well, that's a very noble effort. So thank thank you for doing that. I know this is a, a labor of love besides a job for you, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, one thing in talking with you earlier, you brought up a very good point um, that a lot of veterans uh, utilize service animals. Um, and uh, I know for PTSD even, I, I've written stories um, that uh, that's a very popular option. But there's a lot of misconceptions out there about service animals and their, you know, when they're taking them on, say, on airplanes or in public buildings. Um, so I wanted to talk to you about that uh, today. And, you know, what's your what's your take on that? And how can you educate our audience on that? Well, there's a it, it's it's a very uh, um complex issue, I guess. Uh, and because there's no central registry um, for registering an animal as a service animal. Um, and uh, my my background is, is in the hospitality industry. So I come at this not only from my experience with my veteran community, but also overlap of the hospitality industry. And so um, it's it's great to have this platform to to do a bit of of cross education. So the, the first thing is is that there isn't a central registry. I could go online right now and type in service animal registration vest, and I could buy for thirty five dollars. I could buy a vest for my dog, and but but that doesn't make her a service animal. And what really uh, uh, does it is the specific training. There's there's three. Well, why why do you think uh, they they don't have a registry? It just seems like a a very good idea to me. It would eliminate a lot of the misconceptions and, and pushback in many cases. Well, I th I think the industry has grown, and there hasn't been a need for it until now. Um. It was, you know, you wouldn't question somebody walking in to a department store um, with a seeing eye dog. That service animal has been trained specifically to help a person that is blind. Um, but as as the industry has grown, as as the use of animals has expanded to people um, 
uh, with seizure uh, situations, uh, epileptic situations. Uh, you know, certainly our veteran community with PTSD, uh, PTSD issues, um, anxiety issues, uh, and um, you know, people where it isn't readily apparent what why they need the service animal. Um, it's just become this gray area. So the industry, to me, and um, has just kind of grown up. And now we, you know, based on certainly what you commented to before about all of the information in the press about um, people sort of taking advantage of the system, that's that's where the re the need is for the central registry now. And so, what is you know what is the definition of a service animal versus, say, a comfort animal? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to add something to that. There's, there's um, therapy dogs, or most of the time it's dogs. There's therapy animals, comfort animals, or emotional support animals. And then the third classification is a service animal. So a therapy animal would be, um, in most cases, a dog that is trained to go into hospitals and, and um, provide... Um, a comfort to uh, people in nursing homes, people in hospital situations. They take dogs in uh, to reading programs in elementary schools. Um, so kids learning to read that have are struggling with it can read to the dog and it's it's a it's an easier situation. So those animals have have had some sort of training. Um, emotional support animals are just that. They're animals that bring um, a support to, the person they, I, I want to say their owner, um, in, in some fashion, uh, but they're not specifically trained. And uh, a service animal is trained for a specific task. You know, obvious, uh, obvious example would be, again, somebody that's blind. The service animal is trained to be their eyes, to to stop at an intersection, to um, when there's an obstruction, to walk them around it. Um, in the veteran community, uh, uh, service animals are specifically trained in a wide variety of uh, issues related to PTSD and anxiety. So, uh, for example, um, you know when when you're when you see pretty horrific things in the front line in combat, you know, the, that obviously stays with you and um, loud noises, um, you know, things coming up and surprising you behind you um, can raise your level of anxiety. Well, a service animal, in most cases, a dog um, is trained uh, to be with that veteran and and sometimes you'll see them if they're sitting in a restaurant, the dog will sit facing the other way. So that veteran knows that that dog um, is watching behind them. And, um, you know, in the veteran community, it's they're watching your back. Um, the anxiety level um, animals are trained to uh, put their paw. If they sense your anxiety lift, you know, building, they'll put your paw on you. Um, to kind of try to get your attention and distract you from the anxiety level. And if it increases, in some cases, they'll just lay down on top of you. They will crawl up in your lap, and but that's what they're trained to do. So they have a specific task. They have a specific function. Um, 
And um, so that's that's the kind of the key difference for all three. Um, and there are different uh, uh, protections and allowances. And what, what are some of those? What are some good examples of that? I mean, uh, if you're an organizer of a meeting and ev or event or an operator of, say, a convention facility or a hotel or any other sort of a public facility, uh, what are some of the uh, what are some of the laws regarding that? And what are some considerations that a organizer of a public event or the operator of a building should uh, consider? Well, for a, a, under the federal government, a service animal um, is allowed to go in places where animals are not typically um, allowed. So grocery stores, uh, convention centers, um, you know, commercial buildings, um, they're, they're um, restaurants, they're, they're just, they're, they're allowed to go places that, that um, the, the normal animal would not be able to go because they're an extension of that person. And so for, and it, having said that, there is also the added responsibility of the owner of that service animal to be in control of that animal at all times. So that's the, that's the trade-off. Um, those animals are working and they're not just, you know, oh, Fifi, come here. We're going to go into the building now. It's, it is, they, that dog uh, is, is working. And is there any, uh, you know, especially for an organizer of a public event um, and your group, maybe is, you know, you're expecting a, a large amount or a sizable amount of service animals. Um, you know, what about an organizer of an event who's not very well versed in this and say the operator of a convention facility? What do they need to know or should they ask? Uh, the question in advance so they're prepared um what's your advice on that well there's it's again responsibility of both sides so so if i have a service animal and i'm going to a conference when i register for that conference i am going to let the conference organizers know that i will be bringing my service animal with me and so the um, event planner at that point in time has the responsibility to include that information um, with their vendors and the venue that they are working with that we will um, have a service animal uh, on site. From the venue side and from uh, the, the, other, the other side, uh, there's limitations on... Um, how they can interact with uh, the the owner of that service animal uh, by law, they can only ask two questions. Um, they can only ask the questions of: Is this animal trained for a specific disability? And 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 I'm I'm grabbing the question: What is what is it trained to do? So it's 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 um, it's the training of the specific task. And so um, 
an uh, operator, or a, a building operator, or a, a planner should not be hesitant to inquire about that if they see someone in their event or building with a service animal. Um, they, well, yeah, and they they can do that. And the person that has the service animal will say, um, this this animal is a service animal, and it's trained for a specific task, and it's trained. Um, to for seizure alerts, it's trained for hearing support, it's trained for, um, and they, they can answer those questions that the venue or vendor is not allowed to ask what the person's disability is. And, you know, part of the part of the, the hotel front desk horror stories um, are, well, why do you need a service animal, you don't look sick? You know, you don't, you, you need to, you know, keep those comments to yourself. Um, and the 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 venue also, um, you know, I, I mentioned before about the 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 service animal being under the control, one hundred percent of the time of the owner. If there is an animal that is not housebroken, is misbehaving, is um, you know barking is obviously out of control, the venue has the right to say to that person, I'm very, very sorry, because your animal is out of control, I'm going to need for you to, you know, leave the premises. These animals are so well trained that I, I'm sure that's a very rare occurrence. It, it is. And then you have the posers where it isn't. And that, that's the tough part for, for someone is that I guess there are people who sort of take advantage of this to, to bring their, their pets in, essentially. They, uh, yes, <laughs> there have been that. I mean, recently in the last couple of years, I will see uh, hedgehogs, peacocks, snakes, puppies. You know, I'll, I'm trying to think of the other animals that were quote unquote service animals or comfort animals that were, you know, pulled onto planes. Um Right, you see all the you see the news items on that every time something ridiculous like that happens, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to say that um, the other thing that makes it a challenge uh, for venues um, when you have a person with a service animal, there won't be a vest on that animal all the time. Really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, think about it um, as a, I'm an animal owner. I'm not sure if, if you are, but I would have a very, very difficult time putting a vest on my black dog. If I lived in Arizona, I, I couldn't do it in the middle of the summertime. So it's, um, so it, there's some cases where the it's, you won't see a, you won't see a vest on a service animal hundred percent of the time. And, you know, and as mentioned before, it's very easy just to, I could go get one today and have it delivered tomorrow. Yeah. And I, I imagine uh, operators of venues and, and meetings and events organizers are very hesitant. I mean, cause they, there could be a lawsuit involved if uh, you know, if, if they're, uh, if, if they're, they don't accommodate the service animal. Right. And, and how do you make that snap decision whether someone is just flouting the regulations or is actually, you know, has a legitimate need for that service animal. 
Well, I think I think it comes down to common sense. Um, for and and not all businesses, you know, it, the per the federal government, you you not all businesses are service animal friendly. I mean, there in in cases, and I'm trying to think of what the example would be of the type of business. Um, if if there is a business that it has to literally turn their business model upside down just to accommodate a service animal, you know there there are some restrictions and limitations on on the types of businesses, and that would I'm and I would I would guess it might be ten percent of the of the types of businesses that are out there. But and obviously, if you think that's an issue with your organization or facility you better, uh, you know, figure that out in advance and, and do your homework, right? It's not a snap decision you just make on site. Right, right. Um, so going back to your your question about, you know, what happens when you have posers out there, um, you know, it comes down to common sense. And if if there it, it and, and that particular situation if there is a person that has their animal with them but they're not disturbing anyone and the animal is under control you know are you going to make an issue of it even if they're even if they're a um you know not necessarily a service animal technically um, and so it really comes down to the behavior of the person with the animal and the animal itself that would, that would probably, um, start the situation of, uh, any sort of, of interaction to have them removed from, um, a venue or, a, a um, or any public place. Well, and I would imagine too, that a lot of the objections, on site probably don't come from, say, a facility operator, uh, but maybe an, uh, someone else from the public there maybe question the validity of the service animal. And so maybe it's the the job of the person at the facility to educate them more about uh, the issues involved. Yeah, it, it, no, it's, that's very, that's very, very true. The other issue about education, um, from the from the veteran side, they say that the the one of the biggest challenges that they have is having the the public ignore that animal. When you have a really cute dog, and it's a service animal, um, you have to ignore it. It's working, and so you know there's no going up and petting it. There's no there's nothing. You just have to ignore it, and they. <laughs> A lot of the veterans have said that's the hardest thing is just to tell people, I'm sorry, you can't pet my dog. He, you know, he's working. Um, and it just it, it makes it a little bit difficult. Um, the other a couple of the other issues that have come up um, within the veteran community. And this is this is more for, you know, you know, public meetings. Um, uh, there was a gentleman that that has a service animal, and the animal is um, a pit bull. And um, he was he was at an event with his son. I don't know if it was a it was some sort of award ceremony, and he wanted to sit with his son. 
And the venue said, no, I'm sorry, your, your dog is terrifying, you know, the people around it. I mean, the dog was perfectly trained, not bothering anybody, but just, just from, because it was that breed, the gentleman needed to sit in the back. Um, it's not from, from the service animal standpoint, it's not the, it's not easy to travel with the service animal all the time. And so that's, that's the other thing to know um, from the hospitality industry standpoint, people that are traveling with service animals are not trying to get something for free. They, they're not trying to get one over on the hotel and they're not trying to get discounted rates. They want to, they want to stay at your property. They want to enjoy their experience there. They just happen to have, um, an extension of themselves traveling with them. Well, excellent. Are there any resources that uh, you could suggest for people to check out to learn more about this issue? I think, yeah, the, the best one um, is um, ADA.gov. And um, when you get to ADA.gov, you can just type in service animals and um, all of the um, information will come up. It, they talk about... Um, I think there's almost 30 questions about um, different points for dealing with service animals um, from, from um, how to, how to treat them, what questions you can legally ask um, from housing uh, to, um, to when it becomes, you know, the, the behavior of the animal and when you need to interact um, with them. So um, it's, it's a very big issue with military reunions because they're being used more and more. Um, and uh, so that the hospitality industry is kind of learning uh, to deal with them as a, as a group. So, um, but I think that the, going back to the resources, I think that uh, the first the first uh, website to go to um, is ADA.gov. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining us, Sharon. Is there anything else you want to add on this subject? And where can people find out more about the Military Reunion Network? Well, they can visit my website, uh, militaryreuniennetwork.com. Uh, I will, um, on our blog, I will be posting an article that we did for our magazine about the new faces at military reunions and and dealing with uh, service animals. Um, and I think that um, as far as the specific resources go, going back to that um you know, check in with, um, if you're traveling with a service animal, um, airlines have um, adjusted their policies policies in the last couple of years based on all of the all of the media attention that has has come from the the posers. So um, I would suggest um, going to the different airlines as well. Well, excellent. Well, thank you for joining us, Sharon. Uh, it's such an important issue, and I'm glad we uh, got to chat with you to explore it more. Oh, and thanks for having me again. It was great. Excellent. Well, uh, that was uh, Sharon Danachek, the uh, president of the Military Reunion Network, and uh, I'm a Tyler Davidson, the vice president and chief content director of Meetings Today. Thank you for joining us for this Meetings Today podcast, and uh we do have a wealth of other podcasts on our website at 
meetingstoday.com. There's a podcast section there, and um, you can hear from many of uh, the industry experts in the hospitality and meetings industry about important issues in those two industries. Um, and thank you for joining us and have a great rest of the day.